Thank you for listening to this St. Louis on the Air podcast brought to you by Lindenwood University's Hammond Institute for Free Enterprise. Examining market approaches to help solve economic and social issues, Hammond.Institute. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I am Don Marsh. The days at the Repertory Theater are dwindling down to a precious few for longtime artistic director Steve Wolf. He's stepping down at the end of the current season, ending more than 30 years in this post with a flourish as director of the current hit production of Oslo. It runs through March 3rd. Stephen Wolf joins me in studio. Great to see you again, Steve. Great to see you, Don. Thanks for having me in. You're ending all of uh, all of this, these 32 years or so, yeah. with a flourish with Oslo. It's a great play and a wonderful production of this play. Yeah. And you're directing it. It's your 47th directorial Something assignment. like that, yeah. yeah. Right. Why did you decide that you wanted to go out as a director? Oh, because uh, it's my life. I mean, I'm a director. I'm a producer. I fell in love with the show when I saw it in New York. I think the story is incredible because it's a true story, uh, and it, it it comes off like uh, you know, like an international spy story in a way of secret meetings and things going on. Uh, and led to the 1993 uh, Oslo Peace Accords. In the Middle East. Uh, yes, yeah. and, and quite moving, very funny, uh, and, and quite dramatic. You don't have to know anything about geopolitics. Yeah, when you hear that uh, it's referred to as hilarious, that's not something you often think of with regard to Middle East peace. Well, no, you, no, you don't. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, it, it's the, the diplomats had to have time away from the negotiating table, and so there's, they set up an area where they can, you know, tell stories, tell jokes. Uh, and actually, those are the times you always get a lot more done than actually at the table. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's high drama. There's no question about it. But uh, it, it's, compa- it's a compelling story. And I know the, the playwright is working on the screenplay now. It feels like a film. Well, it's a it, it's a great way to go out, as as it were, uh, yeah. and it's certainly being reviewed very very positively. But let's talk about uh, you know, the obvious. This is your <laughs> this is uh, the, the end of a long road for you, Steve. What yeah. kinds of things are you thinking about now as you plan the next chapter? I, well, I haven't, well, I haven't planned the next chapter, Don. I'm trying to figure it out. Uh, I had to get through getting Oslo up and finish producing the rest of this season. Uh, and we'll see where it leads. You know, it's been you know well over thirty years, and every day, you know, you're in the office at nine o'clock, and you know, in our world, you know, that can easily go to eleven or twelve at night. Uh, so the idea of not having some place to go at nine o'clock is both exciting and terrifying. But you're mm-hmm. you're going to continue a role as as uh, artistic direct, director emeritus, as I understand yeah, it. So yeah, yeah. And, and what will that involve? Well, I am answering the phone <laughs> <laughs> when someone calls and says, "How does this work?" Uh, you know, and what, giving whatever advice or counsel I can give to uh, to the new administration. Your successor is in place, or, or just about to be in place. I take yeah, it. Yeah, Hannah Sharif. Uh, she's uh, she's a sharp lady. Uh, she's finishing up in Baltimore, Baltimore Center Stage, and she'll be in place effectively June one. Mm-hmm. She's been and out, been in and out of town the past few months. When when you um, decide on what your season is going to look like, well, let me, let me let me start there. How do you decide what next season is going to look like? Because next season is already planned. Next, for, uh, and Han, yes, and Hannah planned that season. Yes, I understand. It's totally hers. Uh, you know, you assemble titles, you start reading, you start looking 
say what's available, what can you get rights to, what's interesting, because mm-hmm. uh, because there's also a personal connection to the plays you do, the plays you pick. Uh, so so uh, you know you, you kind of fall in love with the plays and 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 see how it will scan, you know, for us from September to April and. Uh, you know, you can't do six tragedies and you can't do six comedies. And mm-hmm. it's how it mixes. And, and say, you know, our audiences are really smart and like b- both comedy and musical and challenges. And, and, and so uh, you, you find the literature that you think is going to make sense. Uh, and we try to stay, you know, for me, I try to stay current with what, what was going on in New York and around the country and around the world. Uh, you talk about uh, the need to get rights and that sort of thing. Yeah. How difficult is that? I mean, if there's a if there's a Tennessee Williams play out there, can't you just say we're going to do this and pay whatever royalties are yeah, necessary? Basically, you you call the publishing house and mm-hmm. they will say un- unless it's going to Broadway with stars mm-hmm. or a big national tour, and then we get cut out of it. Uh, the play that goes wrong, the show that is closing our season. Uh, we, I happen to know it's one of those where you knew some people. I knew some people involved with the show, mm-hmm. and we're the only theater like ours that's doing it. Mm-hmm. There's a big, there's a national tour going out. We're the only self-producing production mm-hmm. uh, in, in the country, as far as I know. And that was about knowing, you know, knowing the right people, and the timing was right. Yeah. Once you have selected the play, yeah. uh, what then? What is the process? I mean, step one to step one to step stage. two. Once once we've got rights to do the play, then it's uh, and it's, it's sort of happening simultaneously. I'm thinking about a particular play. I'm thinking about a particular director. And once we've got the director in place, then you're talking about who the director wants to design the show. And you've got director, designer, and then you start talking about casting, uh, which for us, unlike. Other art forms, you know, uh, opera, dance, symphony, they, they, they're putting together way, way out, years out. Theater's mm-hmm. more mobile. So we're casting five or six months out prior to start of rehearsal, pretty much. You draw a lot on St. Louis talent. It's a lot, yeah, there's a lot, of, well, there's a lot of St. Louis talent here. There's several St. Louis actors in Oslo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we primarily cast out of New York. And that, what is that process like? Well, well, agents we, disc- through agencies or what? Yes, we we have a casting uh, company, casting yeah. director, casting office in New York. We go through, and we set up. They set up the auditions with us, the director, and then they're they're making the calls out to the agents and assembling people for us to see. What's been the most difficult production that you've had to do there? One that you wanted to do, and fought really hard to get in there, but it was hard to put on the stage. Who? Uh, I mean, Oslo is really hard to put on the stage because they're like, uh, th- there's lots of videos, there's lots of projections. It's technically very complicated. There's a big, there's a longitudinal screen on the stage. Um, uh, all the way, the story of Lyndon Johnson, uh, which, which was also hard as our first use of video. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the Humans, which I did, which I directed last year, I still think is the hardest play I've done on the main stage. And it's hard to explain why. It, it's uh, overlapping conversation, overlapping dialogue, lots of emotion, uh, and getting it all straight, uh, just getting the characters in the right place in the right frame. It was really hard. Uh, it paid off really well. It was a really mm-hmm. wonderful production, but that, that, that was tough. It was just tough. There's an awful lot of work that goes into into these things that uh, have a very limited run, let's face it. They don't run oh, for, we, for we, months and months and months. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we we disappear into the air. That that's mm-hmm. 
sort of the wonderful, wonderful and complicated thing about the theater is we're there and then we're not. Mm -hmm. You can't rewind us. You can't visualize us again. You need to be there in the room. It happens in the room, live in front of you. I mean, when you see Oslo, think this is though. There's a, there's a film that's going to be made. Uh, of this uh, of this play, not our production. The playwrights working on a screenplay now, but it's happening live in front of you, and and so the importance of that and the energy that 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 brings into the theater space is is remarkable and special. How how has uh, St. Louis changed as a theater town during your time here? You of course were with the rep before becoming artistic director. Yes, for, you know, yeah, yeah. So uh, you've been around for a while. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been around forever. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, there's a lot more of us. That's what's sort of mm. remarkable. You know, I mean, years ago, there there were two or three theater organizations. There are easily 15 or 20 in town mm. now. I mean, the thought of people deciding they want to form a theater company and produce is remarkable because it takes a lot of work and a lot of energy, and you've got to raise money and do all the things to, to make theater work. But people are stepping up to that challenge, and so... In various neighborhoods and communities around town, there is there's something every night. Why is that? Do you know, why do you think St. Louis has has done this over the years? You know, I honestly don't know. Yeah. I, these people wanted to do it mm-hmm. uh, and didn't think they were crazy and 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 are taking the plunge. And you gotta go, wow, that's impressive that you wanted to to do this. Uh, and why? Because. You feel because there's something in you that makes you want to do it because it's not easy. When you look back, Steve, and I'm yeah. sure you've had this question a million times. I think I might have even asked it the last time that we got <laughs> together. But I think folks are interested. After a, a long career like this, when you look back, what do you see? What's what stands out? Are there there must be moments that are just uh, far and above in, in the memory than uh, others. There, sure. Um, well, there, I've produced 300 plays in my time here. It's a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't want to think about that. Um, I, but but you know there's some sometimes something really remarkable like uh, when we did Sunday in the Park with George, and at the very beginning of the show, we had a white set that's part of the the words of the play, and this cloth came down it, it became the park and rolled down over the white, uh, and I still think it's magical, and, and it's um, those kinds of transformational moments that are actually really simple mm-hmm. and, and, and have great art and great promise and the music underneath that. that I mean, it's unforgettable. It's like the opening of Follies, which you know, we worked on for three years getting planning that uh, and seeing the women coming down this big staircase. Uh, those are remarkable times. Well, how about the times when the women trip when they're coming down the yeah, staircase? When, when things when things go wrong, things go wrong. You know, it's live. Something something will happen. But you'll see that in the play that goes wrong, our closing show. Because if everything everything goes wrong in that play, that's it's as opposed to noises off, which is about the characters. This is about the play. You know, how much of the set stays up, what goes on, how the props don't make it. Uh, it's very funny. Think yeah, things happen. It's live. Well, that is what makes it kind of fun, too. I think when the, when the crisis is over and you look back and you can maybe laugh at it. Then, yeah. You yeah. say, what, well, so what did we do when the lighter didn't light, the match didn't go, the gun didn't go off? What, you know, what, what, what happens? And you have to be sharp on your feet to do it. Uh, 
I remember reading a story uh, some years ago about two actors, and I can't think of who they were, but they were well-known, and they were great pranksters, and they used to play little jokes, so, you know, they'd run on Broadway for months at a time, uh. and so they'd get bored and they'd play pranks on each other, and at, at one occasion, they were in a living room setting, and uh, the phone rang. It wasn't supposed to ring, uh. and so one actor w- walked over, picked up the phone, and the other actor what, wondered what the heck was going on. He, he says, oh, it's for it's you. It's for you. I, <laughs> Are you familiar with that story? I'm, well, I'm familiar with that story. And in fact, years ago, I was stage managing a production at the Barter Theater in Abingdon, Virginia. And uh, the sound person made a mistake and rang the phone. Uh-huh. And the leading lady actually came and answered it. And uh, it's, my f- it's a great moment. And she said she mentioned the guy's name. Said, "Oh, he doesn't work here anymore." Oh, really? And he was done. Really? Uh, yeah, but it was because she had nowhere to go with the phone call. You know, I, I wouldn't ask you to mention any names, but I'm sure <laughs> that you've come up with a list—a list of maybe eccentricities or whatever on the part of of some actors uh, that have worked with you and for you. That uh, you know. Things that they've asked to have, uh, you know, the red jelly beans in their dressing room, stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah, you know, the the eccentricities um, are nothing nothing quite that extreme. Mm. I mean, we um, when we did a Voice of the Prairie years ago, and Joni Joplin was starring in it, and he was he was a storyteller, and and the the character was a storyteller, and. as a storyteller, he had to drink before he went on. Um, and uh, for his opening moment, he said, "You know, what if I, what if I had a little shot?" Uh, and so he gargled with some so, some liquor of some sort, and it just so it just added to his performance. And if you were near him, you thought he's been drinking, mm-hmm. uh, which he didn't do very much of. But it was it's one of the few times you give permission for something like that to happen. Have there been many occasions where actors have forgotten their lines? Oh yes, huh. they, yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, and, and either you can enjoy the moment of watching them like just flail, uh, or 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 the invention of the words is actually you know both in Shakespeare and in regular plays. You know, you you look at somebody inventing a whole story to get themselves out of trouble. Mm-hmm. A couple times we've had people go up. That's the term. Go up totally. Uh, it's opening night. We did. We did. Um, I did the play just went out of, out of my head. Uh, where where the opening guy totally lost his lines. Mm-hmm. I mean, not, and nobody could save him. There was no other character to come on to say, "Well, what about this?" You could. He had to get his way out of it. That was terrible. Yeah, you know, how how did he do it? He just. Uh, I think we finally sent somebody on and just moved it to the next scene. Oh really? It's all, it's all we could do because he he couldn't he could not. He was totally stuck, and, and of course the audience picks up on that. Of course, they? of course yeah. they do. They, yeah. they they know, you know, because all of a sudden, if it's not working, if if the rhythm's off, you can figure it out. If sometimes there are little line line blips, you won't know if, unless you really know the script. Mm. Something really big, yeah, you can see it. I can't imagine, Steve, after all the years that you've been doing this, that <clears throat> you're going to be able to just stop. You know, <laughs> with, really. I mean, yeah. everyone looks forward to retirement, but uh, in a world like the one you've lived mm-hmm. in for the last many years, uh, it's a little bit different. It's it's fast moving. It's active. I, I think you'd miss it terribly. Oh, I, th- I will miss it terribly. Yeah. I mean, I hope somebody says, "Why don't you come do some work for me?" Yeah, uh, yeah I I will miss it terribly. It, it, it's been really important. It, it's been. I'm living the dream. I mean, how many people get to live your dream? Mm-hmm. It's what I dreamed of doing since I was in high school. 
you know, all through undergraduate and graduate school, mm-hmm. and and to be able to work work in a theater in a major you know, major theater in a major city, I'm doing what I set out to do, and I I can't cons- yet. It, 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 you know, as of June one, you know, I'm I'm not there anymore, mm-hmm. and I hope somebody calls and asks some right. questions. Well, what is this the fiftieth year of the fifty third? Fifty third year of the fifty third. Um, it, it's really come a long way since it started. Oh it? Yeah, 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 from the very beginning, you know, when when uh, faculty members at, the, at Webster College then were the performers, mm. and they realized they needed to perform more than they needed to teach, and so that evolved into the company that that was eventually disbanded in the late. Uh, uh, late 70s, early 80s, and uh, the literature we do is more complicated, the technical work we do is more complicated, uh, and the storytelling more complex, uh, and uh, that will continue to happen and grow. And, and you know, there's a world of literature, new, new writers writing all the time. In our Ignite series coming in April, we're reading, just reading three plays from new contemporary writers, mm-hmm. and we'll see what happens with them. Time is winding down, but tell me about the Steve Wolf endowment. Well, um, I, I only know a little about it uh, because they hide it from me of what we're doing, but we're raising money uh, that will go. The endowment is to support the studio theater, you know, our small theater and, and downstairs. It seats about 130 people. Uh, and this will be a way to help <clears throat> continue to support the work we do in the studio. The studio is very important to me. It's going to be named uh, yeah. the Steve Wolf Endowment, right? Which is which is kind of nice. Which is lovely. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, the development office is taking contributions every minute of every day. All righty. Well, <laughs> we'll put a link on our website. Well, please do. So I'll be people, happy to hear from somebody. <laughs> people can get at it that yeah. way. One final thought: yeah. uh, April tenth is a big day for you. I yes. Mean, I, yes. Explain what that is. No, I well that that's my official retirement party, mm-hmm. and they've kept it a secret from me. I have absolutely no idea. It took took months for them to tell me the date. Really? I said, "Could you just tell me the date?" Because my brother would like to come. Uh, but so there's secret meetings going on all the time. I don't know, except it's April 10th, and uh, invitations are going out in the next couple of weeks. And I don't know what the program's going to be. Are you going to be glad when all of this part of it is over? That is things like that. Well, um, a little, yeah. <laughs> a little. Yeah. You know, uh, my my work is kind. Of, you know, trying to be relatively invisible, though as leader of the company, I'm quite visible. I, yeah. I will miss it all. Well, uh, yeah. we're going to miss you, Steve. You've been such yeah. a, a fixture in the theater world here in St. Louis for so long. Uh, you're going to be missed. Thank you, Don. I hope you find a way to keep your finger in it one way or another. Me too. <laughs> Steve Wolfe is the director of Oslo, the retiring artistic director of the Rep uh, in Webster Groves, and um, best of luck to you. Thank you so much. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU.